With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I feel you crumbling my arms down to your heart of stone. You bled me dry just like the tears you never show. Why don't you tell me what you want from me? Tell me what you need from me. Tell me what you want to go. Why don't you tell me what you want from me? Tell me what you need from me. Tell me what you want to go. We've been waiting planning and analyzing for this moment Sunday September 8th in Arlington Texas and now it has finally arrived the New York football giants look to prove to the National Football League that they are not a joke in 2019 they are a force to be reckoned with and it all starts today against the Dallas Cowboys this is the bleeding blue pregame show David, we've made it. We've done it. It's been such a long road. It's been a long, windy road. Is it just me, or did this offseason take longer than normal offseasons? Well, David, we were almost analyzing it and talking about it almost every single step of the way. That would probably have something to do with it. And Justin, might I add, that was, that was your song choice on the intro. Really, really solid song choice. Thank you. Thank you. Post Malone has uh, has really made my week this week. I'm sure he'll be happy to hear that. I'm sure he listens, so I'm sure he'll be very happy to hear that. Yeah, Austin uh, Austin Post uh, definitely does uh, listen to Bleeding Blue. Well, you know, this maybe he will listen. He's a Cowboys fan. Oh, that's right. He is. He's a big Cowboy guy. So maybe he'll be listening. Maybe maybe like f- somehow... A Cowboys fan will will have will share our podcast and and Post Malone will be like I got to hear this from the Giants fan perspective. Hope Post Malone doesn't listen though, because we're technically not supposed to be playing these songs as Ooh. the intro. Ooh, so that's a great. Even point. though even though I would really love Post Malone to be listening, but Post Malone's also one of those guys where I think he would just let it slide. Well. I'm going to make my a quick official plea to Post Malone Post. If you are listening to this, please know that I have never illegally downloaded any of your music. Um, big BB&B fan. I, uh, I listen to it often. Love the work you do. And uh, yeah, please, please don't ask for us to get shut down. For those fans out there who's not familiar with the work of Post Malone, BB&B is not a big baller brand. It's uh, <laughs> Beer Bongs and Bentleys. Yes. Which, I mean, you want to ask about what my Thursday nights look like. Beer bongs and Bentleys. <laughs> Justin, I can attest that that is not true. No, it's not true. I, I know. Partially because we record on a lot of Thursday nights. Ooh, zing. So I know what you're doing. 
Zing. All right, David, uh, we have a football game that we need to preview and we need to talk about and we need to talk all about. And we need to give our predictions. We need to give our things that we're looking out for and we need to get excited over. So well, David, I don't need uh, any help getting excited. I'm plenty excited. Plenty excited. Um, today, the New York football giants are playing a football game around 4.30 <laughs> Eastern Standard Time against the Dallas Cowboys, just in case you are living under a rock. That is who we are playing. Uh, David, give us your... Thoughts heading into uh, this Sunday. Um, if you want to start off with some things that you're watching out for, if you just want to start off with some basic thoughts, go for it. Leave the show forward. I want everyone to bring their mind back to, let's say, May. Okay. And think about where the Giants were then and where the Giants are now. But the, the entire world knew before the schedule even came out, the Giants were going to be playing in Dallas week one because that's just always the situation we never are not in Dallas week one so I want you to think about being in Dallas week one with the team that we had you know at the beginning of the summer and obviously I think in the beginning of the summer people were starting to get a feeling for okay I like what this team did they made some they made some solid draft moves um some solid offseason acquisitions but is it going to gel? We don't know. There's a lot of question marks. There is a lot of reason since then for positivity and for optimism. And it's time. We go. This is where we go, right? So I believe that this team has put it together a little bit more than I think um, a lot of the national media thinks they have. I think there's a lot more reason for optimism with this team. Sitting here today, the morning of the game, I'm looking at this and saying, this game is going to be competitive. I think any Cowboy fans, I think they're waking up and they're gonna they're gonna walk into a you know a 28 to 10, 20, 24, 7, no, 24-10 sound beating of a division rival. I think they're sadly mistaken. I think this team is gonna sneak up on them. I can't promise you what's going to happen. I think in the, towards the end, we're going to make our predictions, but I don't know. Th- this this game is going to be really interesting because we have not seen this team at full strength yet. Um, we haven't seen any Saquon. We haven't. I don't think we've seen any of the complicated defense that I think Betcher is going to throw at the opposing teams. I'm really, really intrigued. I'm extremely excited to see this this team. It's extremely young. It's a talented, young team with a lot of reason for excitement so obviously Justin I'm talking more on the macro macro side of things we can talk about you know specific matchups and we will but I just want you to think about where we where I think the collective mindset for Giants fans was uh four or five months ago to where it is the morning of week one and if you don't think it's a more positive if, if you're not in a more positive mind state and you're not in a more positive frame of thinking regarding this game I think you are going to be very surprised by this team, and I think it'll be pleasant. Well said. Very well said. Thank you. You know, because it's easy to dismiss the Giants. It's easy to dismiss them. But really, what they've done and the culture that they've tried to build, even going back to last year, where they're trying to learn how to win again. And that's a process. And that's exactly what this is. It's time. It's really time to just rock and roll. And you've made, you made the point where we haven't seen the Giants at full strength yet, which is a great point, and, you're, and it's very true. 
We also haven't seen the Cowboys at least this summer and this preseason at full strength yet either. Now, I think if you look at that Chicago Bears game and that Green Bay Packers game Thursday night, the fact that the Bears starters barely played in the preseason, I think that was a detriment to them Thursday night. Wouldn't you say so, David? Yeah, I mean, they looked they looked bewildered. They looked they like they had no idea what they were doing. They didn't look like they were ready to play a football game. Yeah, no. I mean, especially that offense. They just... It just looked sloppy. I don't think Mitchell Trubisky is that bad. Anyway, we're not going to analyze that Thursday night football game. But the point is, this Cowboy team is not at full strength yet. Yes, there is a lot more continuity on this Cowboy team. And there's a lot much, there's more consistency on this Cowboy team than the Giants team. Because you look at how many new players the Giants have, both on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. However, you look at, I'm really talking about Ezekiel Elliott here. Dak Prescott really did not get that much playing time in the third preseason game. Granted, Eli Manning didn't get a ton either, but what you did see out of Dak Prescott, especially that third preseason game, wasn't great. What we saw out of Tony Pollard, I'm not that impressed and I'm not that high on Tony Pollard. And him and Ezekiel Elliott are going to be splitting carries. Like, they're not just going to throw Ezekiel Elliott back there and give him 20, 20 carries plus another five catches. They're not going to do that. They could, I guess. And uh, I, they, they, I believe they're on record having saying that they are splitting carries. And I'm not that impressed with Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard looks like, basically, remember how we talked about how Saquon Barkley has the tendency to go for the home run every single play, except Saquon Barkley was actually good at it? Right. <laughs> and he, he was still efficient even when he had a very east-west approach as opposed to north-south. Tony Pollard is looking to do that, except he's not even that good at it. So I'm not that impressed with him. Meanwhile, all the all the stuff coming out of Cowboy camp and even our, our bleeding blue contributor, Michael Boker, who's a Cowboy fan, is saying all these great things about Tony Pollard. Not that impressed with him. Not I've never been impressed with Dak Prescott, but if we can't stop the run and we allow Dak Prescott to get going with play action, and we allow him to really get these safeties' eyes looking in the backfield, and they're not looking at these receivers down the field, and then we can get Dak Prescott expanding the field to throw the ball downfield. If we get him, if we allow him to do that, then it's going to be no bueno. No bueno. And I think that's exactly what happened the first game of the 2018 season, David, where it was one of the, you know, on the first drive, you had this huge, huge play to a wide receiver, and it went for a touchdown, and that was basically like, oh, you know, you don't want to say the game's over after that point, but how demoralizing is it to allow, like, an 80-yard yeah, touchdown? Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about some matchups. I already I already started talking about, like, uh, some safeties and blah, 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 blah. So let's let's talk about some matchups, uh, David. Why don't we start on – why don't we start on the defense side of the ball? My main matchup that I'm watching – well, I'm watching two. Two, de- two main defensive matchups. The first one is – Dexter Lawrence against the the interior of the Cowboys offensive line. Travis Frederick after having um I don't even know what he what was wrong with him to be exact, but it was some kind of like life altering yeah. disease. He's going to be making his return to the field. All planning, you know, all game planning and and fandom aside is actually it's uh, it's awesome because when he's playing he's one he's yeah. he is potentially the best in the game so it's all it's awesome to see him back 
and also uh, the the right guard Zach Martin. Zach Martin, arguably the best in the game as well. So, <laughs> Dexter Lawrence, welcome to the NFL. You know, I was going to trial by fire for the rookies. So that's my first main matchup because what, you know what we saw a lot in preseason, and, and and Justin, you and I both at different points in the preseason touched on this. Dexter Lawrence, he's not right away going to put up Snacks Harrison production. What was amazing about Snacks Harrison was that he was that size, he was that imposing, but he he managed production that nose tackles often can't produce. Right, and and the numbers, typically the numbers that a nose tackle does not produce. Usually they they right. eat up space. Exactly, exactly. They they're kind of they they're what allows the players around them to make plays because they take up so much space. That's what snack. That was that's what was so incredible about Snacks Harrison was that he still managed tangible production. I don't think Dexter Lawrence is going to do that yet. But what we saw a lot in preseason was even going up against starting offensive lines, he still managed to dictate the pace of play inside. He managed to dictate. The way the offensive line was blocking, he didn't get eaten up by blocks. Rather, he was eating up blockers, which allows guys like Marcus Golden, like Alec Ogletree blitzing up the middle, like Lorenzo Carter. It allows these guys to start performing at their peak because we've said it multiple times. Marcus Golden gets if Marcus Golden gets a one on one matchup with a running back or a tight end, it's over. If he's got to go up, if he's got to go up against a guard tackle combination, I'm not so confident in that anymore. Same thing with Lorenzo Carter. I'd rather, you know, you'd much rather see him get into matchups with guys who aren't who aren't set linemen. And I think that's what Dexter Lawrence will allow them to do. Now, again, nothing that he saw at Clemson and nothing that he saw in the preseason is going to is going to mimic. Travis Frederick and Zach Martin. So can he still manage to dictate the pace of play inside? If he can, that is enormous because obviously Ezekiel Elliott is now ready to go. He signs his deal. Whether he'll be on a whether he'll be on a snap count or not, if, even if the guy gets 15 carries, he can he can alter the game in 15 carries. So can can Dexter Lawrence dictate the pace of play inside, or does he just kind of get moved? Because if he if he starts getting moved. That's going to cause the likes of Alec Ogletree, Tay Davis, Ryan Conley to start making plays that I'm not so confident they're going to be able to make. Right, because I think what you mean by dictate the pace of play, David, is honestly, I don't even care if he is moving people if he's double teamed. Exactly. Dexter Lawrence is getting, if Dexter Lawrence is getting double teamed, that's great. I would love for Dexter Lawrence to eat up that space again, to use that phrase. But if he is one-on-one with his man, that's such a, but at the same time, that's like such a tough ass because Travis Frederick and Zach Martin, they're the, they're one of the top tier guys in the league at their spots. Now, also you have to remember Dalvin Tomlinson is going to be in this mix too. But I just think that Dexter Lawrence, even, even in his first game of his NFL season, I th- honestly think Dexter Lawrence is more likely to demand a double team just because of how much of a force and how much of a big body that he is. He's more likely to demand that double team than Dalvin Tomlinson is. And Dalvin Tomlinson's been in the league for this is his third year, year now. Yeah. So would would you would you agree with that, David? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. To your point, I I you know, I guess I should have made it more clear what I meant by dictate the pace of play. What I mean is like you're saying, can he just eat up space? Can he draw double team blocks? And in in my eyes, if you're a defensive lineman and you're drawing double teams, what that means is 
on a play where generally, you know, what makes the Cowboys offensive line so dangerous is not only their ability to block, to block the three or four guys in front of them, but it's guys like Zach Martin, like Travis Frederick, it's their ability to block their men and then they get up to the second level. And it just becomes a convoy with with Elliott behind them, which is a which is an unstoppable combination. If Dexter Lawrence can manage to not, maybe he's not getting in the backfield. All he's got to do is if he gets double teamed and he's standing his ground and he is just continuing to take up space in the middle of the field. What that means is those guards can can no longer get to the second level. And it's allowing right. it's allowing the guys behind him to start pulling up and making and, and allows them to uh, allows them to attack Zeke rather than have Zeke attack them. Right. And how and in terms of your point and talking about going to the second level, how many times do you see Tyrone Smith running down the field and absolutely laying laying safeties and cornerbacks out? And it's not even fair. Exactly. Exactly. It's 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 absolutely crazy. So, David, let's get to our uh, let's get to our second matchup. My second matchup to watch is Jason Witten against primarily the Giants interior linebackers and the safeties. When I heard Jason Witten was coming out of retire, retirement, I think collectively Giants Giants world kind of did a quick sign of the cross and and you know said a quick prayer to the man upstairs because Giants fans we all know what Jason Witten has managed to do to us. He's methodical. He his intelligence on a football field is unmatched. Which, for some reason, didn't translate to the broadcast booth, which, you know, I'll never understand. Thank you. Thank you. You know, he, he just manages. It's, it's, the, it's the third and sixth third, third and sixth guy who manages to get eight yards consistently, and it looks like the linebackers are surprised every single time he does it, even though every Giants fan can call it out before every single third and six. It's going to be Jason Witten over the middle of the field. It's going to be Jason Witten on the logo. It's going to be Jason Witten on the 40. It's going to, like, it never ceases to amaze me that the Giants can't seem to cover it. Well, he's very good at finding space. Yeah, absolutely. That's what it is, you know? And it's crazy. You even saw, like, you know, guys like Witten, and you even saw uh, Antonio Gates do it last year, too, where it's like, how are these guys who run, who can probably run seven-second 40-yard dashes at this stage in their career, how can these guys still do it? Well, they can catch a football when it's thrown five yards down the field in front of them, and they can just find space. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's what it is. They can find space in the secondary. They're smart guys. They're smart football players. They know how to read a defense. They know how to you know continue reading a defense once the ball is snapped. Uh, you know they know what cover three. They know what cover two. They know what cover one looks like, and they can recognize it easily. And boom, they just find they spot they find a spot to sit in, yeah. and they move the chains. Yeah, and and I'm not suggesting that. You know they're going to be able to. They're going to hold Jason Witten catchless. He's going to hit them with something. And I know I don't think Jason Witten, you know, a year out of retirement, is going to be the same X factor that he was. But best believe you're going to see him at some point. He's going to be in on a critical third down, and they're going to have to find a way to stop him. And I think it's a it's going to be a key, and it's going to be a key. It's going to be a key the entire season. Don't get me wrong. The Giants have a very hard time with tight ends. It's going to be a key the entire year. How do guys like Alec Ogletree, how do guys like Tay Davis, how do how does Antoine Bethea, how does Jabril Peppers, primarily I would probably say Jabril Peppers, how do they handle covering these tight ends, you know, not on the sidelines, how do they, how do they handle them in the middle of the field in no man's land on, on third and medium? Can they prevent those catches going for first downs? Because it's also been, it's also been a lot of poor tackling. 
can they manage to get their guy on the ground? And with and with a guy like Jason Witten, he's not going to outrun you. He might outmuscle you. You just got to get him to the ground. And I think I actually am extremely, extremely confident in this team's ability to tackle well. Yep. We saw it a lot during the preseason. Even I know it's a lot of second, you know, second, you know, second string guys, third string guys. But typically, tackling seems to be a team problem sometimes. Where if you know one guy's not tackling well, besides Nate Stupar. <laughs> um, Rest, rest in peace, Nate Stupar, by the way. he uh, The the winner of the Dave Gettleman Foundation roster spot of the year, um, I think that award now has to go to Alex Tanney since we did give it to Nate Stupar, but neither here nor there. Tackling seems to be a team problem when it is in when it is impacting a defense and when it is impacting a team, not just specifically one guy. Now, that's my opinion, and that's a sports radio take, and that could be a lazy take, so I apologize for that. Neither here nor there. Jabril Peppers, very smart, very efficient tackler. He's always going low. He's always going for the ankles. He's always wrapping up. Bethay has been in the league for a long time. Wouldn't make it this far if he wasn't a good tackler. Wouldn't make it this far in his career if he wasn't a good football player. I think Tay Davis has really showed this preseason that he can be a much more efficient attack. Whoa, what happened there, David? Oh, Lord. He showed that he could be a much more efficient tackler this preseason. I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, Alec Ogletree, you know, uh, I'm going to bite my tongue in Alec Ogletree. But neither here nor there. I'm just, it, it is going to be exciting. It is going to be exciting because this is a, unlike last year, where we didn't have that much trust in the secondary. And I guess we don't have a ton of sh- trust in the secondary right now while they're so young. But I feel confident that we're not going to be relying on, let's say, a Landon Collins, who's where his strength wasn't necessarily in coverage, that he's going to be the guy that's going to be covering, like, let's say, Jason Witten. So, David, let's uh, – I want to give out one more defensive matchup before we move to offense, but I don't want to talk about it that long because, again, we don't really know. DeAndre Baker slash Antonio Hamilton, those two are going to be splitting snaps at the cornerback two spot because DeAndre Baker's coming off of his knee injury and they don't want to throw him into the fire totally yet. And Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup or Randall Cobb, depending on who lines up in the slot. I think Randall Cobb is going to be lining up in the slot a decent amount. I remember that Green Bay Packer game in the wildcard game, how Randall Cobb moved to the slot once Dominique rogers Cromartie was hurt. And then whoever was the cornerback in that game in the slot, I can't even remember. might have been the likes of maybe like Tevin Wade. But I remember Randall Cobb absolutely owning the slot while he was in Green Bay during that wild card game. So he can play the slot. Not Michael Gallup, I think if, you know, you just, I've been watching some film on him. He kind of looks like an outside guy. He's a little bit more physical. So I would put Randall Cobb in the slot. Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup are your outside receivers. So most likely it's going to be DeAndre Baker is going to be covering Michael Gallup and Antonio Hamilton, who I really feel nervous about, is going to be covering Michael Gallup as well. They're going to be splitting those reps. David, let's move to the offense. Um, I'm going to let you talk about the absolutely the biggest matchup that we have going into Sunday on offense. And I think that's fairly obvious. So the biggest matchup in my eyes is Mike Rammers against Demarcus Lawrence. But that does not in any way mean that it's not the Giants' offensive line against the Cowboys' defensive front. The Cowboys, the Cowboys linebackers are nasty. Their their whole front, the front seven is nasty because you have Lael Collins. You know, Taco Charlton has actually had a good preseason. No matter how much Taco Charlton, Taco Charlton, by the way, is out. Oh, never mind. Taco Charlton will not be playing. 
that's that's kind of big because honestly, Taco Charlton has had a pretty somewhat of a pretty solid preseason. Even though uh, I know some Cowboy fans, they like to shit on him because they took Taco Charlton instead of taking uh, uh, T.J. Watt. So you know that's that's a bit of a bad look on the Cowboys. But you know he he's had a pretty good preseason. So I'm gonna look and see who his um, ex- replacement is going to be. I believe his replacement is going to be Tyrone Crawford is going to be playing, and he's listed as the first string defensive end on the Cowboys roster. But also you have Kerry Hyder who according to um, Michael Boker, our Bleeding Blue contributor, Kerry Hyder has had a pretty solid preseason too. So David, like we said, this uh, front seven, you know, you, you're saying how the linebackers are pretty stacked. You know, Jalen Smith was all over the field against the the Texans. Um, obviously, we know Sean Lee, Leighton Vander Esch, um, but even this entire front seven as a whole, it's absolutely nothing to sneeze over. They're pretty pretty damn solid there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, you go back... You go back to a lot of the Giants Cowboys games in the past and and primarily the games that are that take place in Dallas, the early season games. And and I touched on this towards the very very end of our of our last episode. It's been the Giants inability to protect Eli Manning and the Giants inability to create running lanes for whoever the running back was that has really caused the game to take a turn to Dallas because what is Dallas attempting to do? The Cowboys are not the kind of team that are built to put up 35 points on you. They can if you allow them to, but they but that's not they're even still with Cooper, with Cobb, with Gallup. The goal of the Cowboys is ball control. They believe they should they can be they can be winning football games scoring 21 points. There's no reason why they can't. They've got a good enough defense and they've got an offensive line and a running back that should be able to just methodically work the ball down the field. And the Giants in previous seasons have played right into that for them because the Giants' insistence on on trying to become a big play offense when they're not one turns into taking sacks, dump off passes that go nowhere, and, and not really staying true to your style of offense. You saw them try to do it last year a little bit, and they actually uh, the first game against Dallas was Saquon was I think Saquon Barkley's worst game of his rookie season, rushing-wise. It was 11 carries for 28 yards. He did nothing. It's because the Giants' offensive line has been unable to get anything going against the Cowboys' front seven. Granted, it's a fantastic front seven. This offensive line is very, very different. This offensive line is a lot more capable of handling these kinds of guys and I think that's the biggest that that's the biggest back and forth. Obviously, from a fa- from a fan perspective, I want to see Demarcus Lawrence get owned this week. But in order to win the football game, it's gonna be it's gonna be more than just dominate Demarcus Lawrence. It's gonna be a matter of dominating the entire front seven. Guys like Leighton Vander Esch, you know, remember back to back to last season, Leighton Vander Esch hadn't really come on in in that week one game. I hardly count. Uh, week 17. It, it it mattered so little in my eyes. Now, it's important to note, Leighton Vanderesh was a impact guy on that team by the time Week 17 came, and we did have um, very good success moving the ball Week 17. Yes. Yes, we did. But, I don't know. I, I, have, a, I have a tough time getting too excited over the Week 17 game. Maybe that's a personal, a, a personal flaw. I look more at the first game when you know things were really still on the line 
a lot of the reasons why the Cowboys front seven is, is so dominant, they hadn't really come on yet. Leighton Van Der Esch hadn't come on. Jalen Smith really, really blossomed last year as the year went on. It's going to be up to this offensive line. And also, it's going to be up to the tight ends. It's going to be up to Evan, Evan Ingram. It's going to be up to um, Red Ellison. It's going to be up to the new tight ends. Uh, not Garrett Dickerson. Tomlinson. Eric, Eric Tomlinson. Tomlinson. It's going to be up to Eric Tomlinson. It's going to be up to... It's going to be a group effort. My main point for this game is remember everything we've been saying as we've been going along in the offseason. This Giants team has is changing their identity. They changed their identity right in front of us, right in front of our eyes. If the Giants are going to win this game, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be a little bit more smash mouth than anything that we're used to seeing. It's going to be one by field position it's going to be one by running the football it's going to be it's going to be one by basically doing what the cowboys have done to us for a long time the i i we've said it before it's kind of a point that we haven't said that often as much as what i'm going to bring up next but the 2014 Dallas Cowboys that's really the model at which the giants need to look at this season with modeling that DeMarco Murray, the year before, you know, his contract year, the year before he was up to get a new contract, they're like, you know what, we're going to run this guy into the freaking ground. And not saying they're going to do that with Saquon Barkley, but that's kind of like the mindset. We're going to use DeMarco Murray as much as we possibly can and make him a weapon. That's the same kind of idea that you have with Saquon Barkley. And that's the formula that I think the Giants should follow for 2019. But David, what we've been talking about all summer, we are going to hopefully see it pay off. 12 personnel, 21 personnel, how well the Giants can establish the run under those running formations, and then therefore how efficient and effective the Giants could be passing out of those running formations while also utilizing play action, getting Eli Manning going, getting Eli Manning himself into space, getting him away from the pocket, getting him away from the tackles, getting him away from the pass rush, letting him get his momentum going in terms of his footwork, giving Cody Latimer an opportunity to go over the middle of the field and get some catches that way. You know, I really think that we're going to see Sterling Shepard out of the slot this game because, honestly, who else? Who else is going to be out of the slot? So that's his strength. That's Sterling Shepard's strength. Cody Latimer, he's going to be the big physical guy that's going to be running crossing routes in the middle of the field, and he's going to be running streaks and you know deeper routes down the sideline. That's his strength. Boom. Russell Shepard, think he's going to be the, gir- the, the third guy with Benny Fowler. Two very consistent guys, two very consistent players that Eli Manning has shown a pretty strong connection with from 2018 and on to this summer, through this summer and through this preseason. So we talked about the line. Talked about how, you know, this offense really needs to try and move the ball and what we think they're going to be successful. David, if I see them spread the spread the field out, especially with four wide receivers, which they rarely do, but if they if I see them constantly, consistently spreading the field out with Evan Ingram lined up as a wide receiver plus three other tight ends, maybe if I see trips left or trips right with Evan Ingram alone on either side. I'm going to go crazy because that's not what this team should do. That that shouldn't be their identity. So, David, uh, that's going to kind of wrap up the matchup talk. Give me one or two hot takes. Then we're going to go to predictions. Then we'll wrap up. 
Hot take number one, Evan Ingram will have two touchdowns. Marcus Golden will have at least uh, a sack and a half. I love it. I love it. Hot take number two, if you have Aldrich Grosshaus in fantasy, God damn it, start him. Well, that's, I don't like that hot take because then the Giants are not scoring touchdowns. They're kicking field goals. Like I said, it's going to be an ugly game. Wow. 12-9? Well, it can't be if I think if Evan Ingram's going to have two touchdowns. Oh, shit. Evan Ingram is going to account for all the touchdowns for the Giants this week. Okay. That's my. That's a hotter take. Wow. It's going to be Evan Ingram and Aldrich Aldr- Grosshaus. I think Cody Latimer is going to lead the team in receiving yards. Boom. All right, David, what's your what's your prediction? You don't need to give me a score. If you want to give me a score, I'm not going to give you a score. But what do you think Giants are going to, are going to win? They're going to lose. Giants are going to win. All right. I think the Giants are going to lose, and I'll explain it, even though David's not allowed to explain it because he said they're going to win. <laughs> but I feel like I need to explain myself if I say they're going to lose. I say they're going to lose just because there's too much newness. There's too much. There's too many things that are new with the Giants right now. There's too many new faces. There's too many unknowns. And even though the Cowboys have some unknowns themselves, there's just more continuity. There's more consistency that's there with the Dallas Cowboys. They know their identity, at least for week one, a lot better than the Giants do. And that does not mean weeks. Yes. My mother just handed me a post-it note, breaking news, that said, Antonio Brown is not a Raider anymore, exclamation point. Now, Antonio (laughs) Brown has not been a Raider for approximately, I would say, maybe about around 12 hours since we're recording this. But thank you, Mom. He's, but Antonio, not only is Antonio Brown no longer a Raider, but he's a New England Patriot, which just isn't fair. Disgusting. It's, not, it's just not fair. My mom, went, my mom said, oh. I think the best part of that is he chose the one out of every four years the Giants play the Patriots. I do appreciate my mother handing me a post-it note while, while I'm recording. because then, Getting involved. Yeah, because it's like, oh, what if this is like breaking news? I could possibly just inform my son. It was, I really appreciate that. I really appreciate David, I think we just have to end it there. Way to go, mom. Yeah, way to, way to go, mom. I wish I had a I wish I had a, a a clapping sound drop. So here's so here's just what I'm gonna here's what I'm gonna say. A player on the Giants touched my butt. That's the sound drop my mother gets. Nice. I think, I think we should end it there. Yep, let's end it there. So um let's go big blue. Let's go big blue. Let's go. Let's go New York. Let's go Giants. Let's go Giants. Let's go Giants. Let's go Giants. You'll hear from us uh, next week on this uh, on this podcast, on this channel. All right? All right. Keep on bleeding, Blue. Enjoy the Giants game. And David. While you're sitting there biting your nails, having that first beer, stay beautiful. Should we sing, Justin? Hit that guitar riff, Justin. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
Yeah. Take if you stayed you this want. long, I'm really sorry. Oh. <laughs> I did it again by accident. Sorry about that. You did. All right, let's end it now. <laughs>